Welcome to What Have You, featuring Rachel Jankovic and Rebecca Merkel. This audio is brought to you by Canon Press. Welcome back to What Have You. I'm Rachel Jankovic. I'm Becca Merkel. Becca came over hill and dale in the snow mm. to do this I thing. I had to put it into four low just to get up her driveway, but I did it quite smoothly. When I went to pick Moses up at kindergarten, I had to try again several times to get on the driveway on my way down the mm, hill. Yes. <laughs> it's at that turn some key momentum takes you right <laughs> off the driveway. And then you're like, all right, I've come to a stop in the field. Now to reverse, get back up there, and then shoot right back off the driveway. Yes. Try again. It is a real time. I, I feel like, though, in this modern life that we live with four-wheel drives, I don't think pushing mother out of the ditch is as much a part of my kid's life. As it was yeah. in our childhood. I remember just pushing people out of the ditches. Is It like, felt like it was all the time. It was a time when we had um, the cars that we fondly called the toboggans. <laughs> because they were the huge, like a huge... Buick Buick Or the Buick LeSabre. <laughs> a Buick. And they were like probably weighed a million pounds. Yeah. Plus they were not made to thrive in snowy conditions no we live moscow is lots of hills yeah so a really heavy vehicle that doesn't have a lot of control over itself (laughs) no you have to really plan your strategy in advance because you know where the stop signs are and if you hit a stop sign that is halfway up a hill, that won't work. No. Won't work at all. You're going to have to crest that hill before you stop. <laughs> also, Even in a four-wheel drive, you got to watch out. Also, any downhill slope to a drive, uh, oh, stop sign. You'll go right through. I mean, through. you've got to just start honking as you... <laughs> As you approach yep. it, just begin yep. letting everyone know that no, you're not actually going to stop there. <laughs> it really is. I that's hilarious. how I learned to snow drive in the world's least least compatible to snow vehicles. <laughs> but there was one time where uh, in the house that mom and dad built, the driveway was uphill. It was brutal in the snows. It was not a driveway that. No. Was you had to have a very big running start. You to had even to really think be going, going yeah. with speed to get up it. But yeah. you can't. It's hard to get going conveniently with speed. Well, because you had to do turn a hard ninety degree. You had to left. stop. You had to try to stop so, for the driveway and yeah, then yeah. get going real fast. And up you were it. turning left, which meant you had to wait for oncoming traffic. Yeah, so if you stopped. Deeply and tricky. then approach mm-hmm. the driveway, you would be there all day. We had one time where the snow just held for long enough that it was like the same driving conditions for probably like a week or something. You know, where mm-hmm. nothing really changed right. in the outlook every day. And I remember Nate and I figuring out that if you're going down the road in these huge toboggan cars, we figured out where on the road you needed to slam on the brakes. So that the Buick would simply turn sideways and and drift to the exact location we needed it to be, so we could zoom up the driveway. So we, but you could see far enough ahead to know that you weren't, you know, there had to be no oncoming traffic. You had to do yeah. everything in good order. Yeah. And um, 
Yeah. It was also one of my earliest, like, uh, experiences with the fact that men and women really don't have the same capacity when it comes to this uh, kind of situation because there would be a men's meeting at our house. Mm-hmm. And somehow the men just knew how to get the vehicle to a place to park it conveniently and in good order. Like it yeah. was intuitively they did it. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't know, do you think there's more shame among them that they wouldn't just flail at it? They needed maybe, to, like, make maybe. it happen. Yeah. But then there would be a ladies thing, and Nate and I would spend the entire time getting cars out of the ditches all <laughs> up the driveway. Or somebody would, like, turn the corner on the driveway, feel suddenly like it seemed in like it wasn't going to work, and then just park dead in the middle of it so <laughs> nobody else could get anywhere either. So then someone behind them would go in a ditch, and people... And so we would collect everyone's keys and spend a very edifying <laughs> time while they were at the Bible study trying to get them out of the ditches and parked. Yes. And yes. We did enjoy that work. It was yep. quite, a, it was quite yep. fun. It was... But I don't know. I, I just feel like now... Many people have four-wheel drive, so life is slightly less dramatic. Although Jemima did have to get pushed out by some fabulous friends who happened to be passing by, and <laughs> there she was, kind of high-centered over I, the curb. I think you're right that the that the difference is how many people are driving with four-wheel drive now. Well, Logos um, has had the same driveway and the same little parking lot in front of it for forever, forever. and now you can just. Get in line and drive on up there and you'll be fine. But do you remember the chaos yeah. when we were kids? Because everybody yeah. was driving like station wagons. Although one time in my recent history, like last couple of years, I was behind a, a... I did turn in that driveway to see a huge passenger van just whizzing down the hill backwards. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, clearly unintentionally. Well, you never, like where the wheels are not turning, no, they're just coming. I just remember that the line to get into the parking lot, you would stop down on the yeah. street and yeah. you would make sure that the person ahead of you had made the hill and made the turn into the parking yeah. lot before you tried because now you it's would gotta... often get three quarters of the way up and then you would begin <laughs> ah, to I can't make it. I can't make... <laughs> spin out and the drift back. And then if somebody was right behind you, then they began a panicky reverse. Oh yeah, no, it was chaos. It was I I still remember uh, one time we had a big snow dump and the way they plowed Washington, they plowed it so that it was just a huge, the middle, the central of three lanes was just an enormous berm. So if you were in the left hand lane, you couldn't see anything of what was happening in the, in the other (laughs) lane. You didn't know. I mean, in changing lanes was not a thing to be done. Really. You had to wait to an intersection and see what you could do about it. (laughs) But somebody overly boastful in their four-wheel drive. <laughs> it was like a Jeep blasted into the berm thinking, I don't know what they were thinking, but thinking that they had what it took to get over the berm, but was instead perched on the top of the berm with no no wheels engaged. <laughs> And, which actually is impressive when you think about it that they got it up one side of it, but they just they they were like, oh, I have four wheel drive. I'll just drive through this pile of like, like well, icy clods of. Doom. We'll just wait till April before you can get out of there. 
Uh, it's always been one of my favorite things about snow driving that everything happens uh, so weirdly slowly because you yes. see it coming like, yes. oh no, we'll hit that telephone pole. And then it's like, <laughs> still looks like we're going to hit that telephone pole. <laughs> and then to everybody in the car. Hang tight. We're about to hit a telephone pole and you're still just like coasting towards it until at the very end you go bop. <laughs> the thing is, um That's over a- over the last snow over the last little bit here, I guess it was maybe Friday when it really started falling and um as the snow fell, so did everyone else. Like it was like everybody was falling down on Friday. <laughs> And you kind of have to uh, just embrace it, that you're going to do that at Mm -hmm. some point during the winter. But Belle just biffed it on First Street on her way down to class. And and then when she got there, she was like, oh, my word, I fell down. And everybody else was like, I wiped out on my way here. (laughs) Like, everyone was wiping out. And I feel like it's just a funny thing that God does to us. Yeah, just to remind us of how we can fall in bigger ways also. One one time, peak Wilson family history was when dad had that huge, dad had a huge orange truck that he called William of Orange. And and one day he went out, we, we were, our house was on a hill, so his truck was parked on a hill a little mm-hmm. bit, pointing down. It was very icy. And he went out and opened the driver <laughs> driver door and then just shot under the truck. <laughs> like his his <laughs> disappeared. Just, just, just left his, left his briefcase behind <laughs> and whizzed under the truck <laughs> for a quick look see. <laughs> like like better than those oh. mechanics. Rolling oh, dolly that gets you under there. He oh, just man. did it One without time, it. I was getting out of the car and I had pulled, I think it was maybe Hero was a baby. Somebody was a baby. And I got them out of their car seat and I turned to like pull myself out <laughs> of the back seat of the car. And I just ate it so hard. But I'm holding a baby. And it was this amazing moment where you realize that you still, in that flash, you have the instinct to not throw the baby. So I, like, held her. I held on to her and held her up, which meant that I just came down with all of my force on one elbow. (laughs) And and I think we, like, thought it was fractured. Like, it was, like, a bad... I think we ended up getting an x-ray, and it wasn't. It was just, like... Exceedingly real hard, yeah. But anyway, um, that was one where you're just glad to know that in a in a pinch you don't fling your baby. Oh. <laughs> except for except for if you have to for their betterment. Do you but, remember? Sure, yes, do you remember the true. story of Heather coming out to check on Nate? Nate's working in the super mud, working on something, trying to finish her house. He was on the side yard, and she had just had Seamus, and it was really muddy. And okay. she came out, and he was, like, three days old or something. He was, like, a really new baby. Maybe he was older than that, but he was very, very new. And Heather started to come around, and Nate sees her. He was, like, in the window well, and he realizes, no, this is not a good place to try to walk. Like, she was coming out to see how he was holding yeah. the baby. 
and he starts to <laughs> to yell to her to not come because this is a very gentle little hill going yeah. down that she was but about was to walk on, but it was just way slipperier than it seemed to be. So he starts to yell. She wipes out, but tossed she was like just very gently delicately tossed him like face first into the mud and she slid all the way into the neighbor's yard <laughs> she wiped out so bad like i think it was like a major major wipeout but she just inverted him into the mud like just a little like i'm going down i'm tossing you aside and she did a full spiel off all the way down the hill into the other yard yeah it's funny yard. that your your brain can run those stats yeah. like, oh. not... but then think of it think of being brand newly postpartum and doing that <laughs> like because i think it was i think it was made an impression oh. on everyone i think nate's like scrambling out of the window well <laughs> You know what? Okay, I'm sure I've told this story before on here, but but my most amazing one was Belle was not, she was just crawling, and she knew she wasn't allowed to crawl up the stairs. She knew she wasn't, and so it was kind of a little thing about, like, no, no, you may not go up there. And I had gone upstairs to do something, and as I'm coming back, and I remember it was night, because it was dim on yeah. the stairs, and I see there is that little disobedient crawling baby halfway up the stairs and I was like oh but I was at the top I mean, and what so are you I was do? like bell and you're trying to like very gradually come Make down no sudden movements but she she like looks up at me and because I was so much yeah. further up I remember she got this little guilty look like ooh, ooh. and then she sits up and just goes backwards <laughs> and she begins the great descent down the stairs and I shrieked like really loudly like clearly there was something wrong yeah. and Ben from the <laughs> other end of the house hears my cries from the top of the stairs and he comes just hauling out of the kitchen at a dead sprint, but he was in the middle of pouring himself a glass of milk, so he still had the milk in his hand. <laughs> like, the glass. And so, so, he comes galloping out, and he had, he couldn't even see where it was. He had to come through from the kitchen, through the dining room, through the living room, and then turn into the little entryway where the stairs were, and he came... At, did this major baseball slide <laughs> and sprays milk in a huge <laughs> fan. Just, it's like milk in this dramatic thing and then slides in and with one hand catches Belle's head as it is about to hit the floor. It was like, and I was standing at the top of the stairs still in mid-shriek. <laughs> I and, love those montages of ben, dads. Like, Have you seen those? The montages of dads. Oh man, amazing dad moves where they <laughs> catch children right on their way out of business. <laughs> well, that was one because, yeah. but it came in a flourish of milk. <laughs> <laughs> it was just really bad, but and I couldn't <gasps> see. Not very I just long. See Belle tumbling down, and then a hand comes. 
coming. I can't in remember from what was side. happening, but sometime not all that long ago, there was some kind of a crisis of getting ready for Sabbath or something. But for some reason, I was not on hand. It was getting ready for Sounds something. Sounds ideal. Maybe it was during Grace Agenda. Maybe it was Sabbath of Grace Agenda. But at some time, it was my kids and one of your kids. I think Jemima maybe was there. Okay. They dropped or knocked out of the fridge a very large vessel of ranch dressing. (laughs) (laughs) Or somebody made it. It was something that, like, came out of the fridge and landed on its side and just launched. Like, it was, like, all through the kitchen and into the dining room. Like, like the whole... And it was, like, right in the last minute. You know, like, have we gotten everything ready? (laughs) Why not... The Lord says we should throw a gallon of ranch dressing out on the loose right now. <laughs> Which will wipe up really delightfully. It yes, won't, it won't no, leave not a leave film smears at all. or anything. Yeah, it'll be just it'll just be the work of a moment to get that picked <laughs> Clean up. Clean it up. Gracious. Oh man. All of these things though are so good, such good, healthy reminders of kind of like Our what du- what duffel puds we really are. You know what I, I mean? Know. Like can't what? even walk in a straight line in the snow. No, and how much funnier it makes it of us to not think it's funny. Like you know how the duffel puds, how the duffel puds yeah. just can't see at all what they're about. <laughs> they just can't. They can't think it's funny. They nope. can't. If it is funny, they take it as an insult. And if it isn't funny, they even though they're just like everything is wrong. Their witticisms aren't really all that. No, and I think that so much of these moments, God is inviting us to see ourselves as we actually are. Oh, I know. You know, like it is why really you, funny. Why don't you notice that you're not all that? You're just mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't mm-hmm. even stand no, up. Snow and ice is definitely a real bunch of potential for all kinds of things you know and especially since the amount of snow if it was to melt it would be not really much of a puddle I think but like floof it up I mean the sort that you would slip on is what I mean like you could slip on a little pack of snow I was gonna say, Beck, if this that all could just melt in a hot minute we'd be looking at no, flooding I mean, the little yeah. patch that's giving you your particular yeah problem. yeah no it's not really it's probably mm-hmm. you know I don't know like a nice three-quarter cups of water there that you can't traverse. Taking you down. Oh, I know. Uh, it's it's good for us. It's being very, like, scenic, though, right now. and I always like that it turns the world when, when the sky is still white. Mm-hmm. All the different color palettes that God works with. But when it's snowing, it's like a decision to just try out the world in black and white. With only yep. some surprise other colors, like a red barn, or the gold of the little weeds that are all covered. Yeah, like right yeah, yeah. There. But it's, the uh, in town, I remember always being surprised on our old driving route that there's this some weird like electrical or water or some kind of a little shed at Wicksfield that looks like a miniature. Uh, it's like a corrugated, like a weird corrugated mm-hmm. metal building that looks like a miniature grain silo with a funny lid on it or something. It's just like a weird, I don't even know what it is. you never see it until the snow. Never ever see it until in the snow you're like, why is that thing painted yellow? (laughs) And I think all the other times it appears to be white. Yeah. But in the snow it just looks like someone got into like a bright butter, you know, like a... Yeah. 
I don't know. It's, it's really random to be like, why so yellow over there? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Anyways. Oh, my fun. word. Yep. So, anyways, we're having interesting comedy times here in the snow. Yeah. And what do you mean? Do you mean this? I just mean this very moment? Update. Or do you mean no, getting ready for Christmas? Getting like, around, sliding on things, falling down on our way to work. It's just, I've been thinking about something that has been, well, it's just interesting. It's that I was thinking about how many people, us included, are just bearing a different kind of weight right now. Like there is a real weight mm-hmm. in everything right now. Yep. And that uh, just a heaviness, you know, like it's heavy in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the things that our God hating culture has had a real foothold on. It's sort of like the, maybe if it was a wrestling match, their chokehold has gotten way more, like mm-hmm. it's feeling less likely that we can break out of it. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's like, okay, this is, it's starting to be everywhere. Yeah. Things are accepted in different ways and mm-hmm. things are um, being forced on people in different ways. And I mean, stuff like I even saw like a preview to some movie that has a lot of big names in it, you know, like, okay, I can't, I don't remember the details except for it was a whole, it's a whole movie about the, some situation where a girl wanted to take her girlfriend to the prom in mm. Indiana at some yeah. time, but praise the Lord that some Broadway people got involved to come heartwarming, take a stand for the truth yeah. and, and things like, um, someone says, we're not bad people. We're cultural disruptors. You know what? You know, it's like, <clears> we're just <throat> here to destroy everything. And the bad lady is a mom. Oh yeah, of, of course, course. She is. And the bad lady who's a mom is the one who says, your values are not our values. And they're like, look at that sinister word <laughs> from the woman who didn't want... Because I guess, I think it's based on a historic situation where they canceled the prom instead of letting a girl bring a girl to the prom or something. But don't worry. The people from New York were able to come throw mm-hmm. away happier, mm-hmm. flashier, promier, transgendered event. You remember when... Um, Christian movies were always just a little over the top ham-handed with the moral of the story yeah. that they would kind of they would kind of like yeah. have zero subtlety. Mm-hmm. That's how it is. I'm just going to say the secularists have really taken that to heart and they yeah. are doing it way worse than any Christian movies I yeah. think ever did. It was like really over the top. Well, propaganda. The thing that was making me think about this is it just feels heavier in like all different places, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, oh my word. You know, in the heaviness of churches just compliantly not having worship, like just being yeah. like, okay, we can't have church then. Yeah. Like, yes, we can't have church, but you may have your pot shops open and your liquor stores open your and strippers. your strip yeah. clubs open because that's necessary for the vital life. <laughs> but church no you know certainly not anyways all this is to say i was just thinking about the heaviness and the heaviness in families and the heaviness in economic hard times because of all this like there's so much heaviness right now and i was just thinking about how deeply important it is that we remember that it's the joy of the lord that is our strength and if we have to carry much heavier loads yep 
we are going to have to do it with joy. Like, it's the joy of the Lord. And, and <clears throat> I will say, too, like, yesterday Ben preached on Psalm 2. And it was an excellent sermon. Sounds which you could pertinent. All, you could all dial up and watch on the internet. Why Why do but the heathen nations rage? And the people's rage. plot vain things. Yeah. and <laughs> Against and, the Lord. And, and against his anointed. And God's response is not to say, oh no, they're getting away with it. What shall I do? Ring mm. hands now. God he laughs. He them in derision. He laughs at them and their mm-hmm. pitiful, futile attempts. And the thing is, it's really important to have the big picture because we can't be joyful if we think that God isn't noticing or he's lost touch with how mm-hmm. to control this mess or like whatever. Well, I think, like, I think, for instance, we are, we share something with Christians throughout all of history. They have experienced versions of this, which is losing a civilization that you loved. Yep. Right? Because of sin, because of all kinds of yep. horribleness, watching it fall apart around you is always heavy. Like, that is a heavy Absolutely. thing. And, but part of it, and this is the thing that we have to remember, is that whatever was good in America, we loved because God gave it to us and it belonged to him. Like, whatever was right. good was his and it was always his. And anything that wasn't good... We shouldn't have our heart tangled up in. No. Right? So, on the one hand, our hands should be really open because our way of life that we do love, like that we have affection for our mm-hmm. way of life, mm-hmm. we, there's, you know, this one half of it that's so guilty of bloodshed oh, and debauchery amazing. and evil, <laughs> and our heart can't be grabbing onto that, like, oh, no. we loved that. Like, on that side, we should be saying, take it, Lord, and destroy it. Like, take it take it and destroy yep. it. And the things that we do love that are have their foundations in Christianity and in our in uh, like the good things, you know, like a righteous constitution or like the like things that were really good that we were given by God, we should be willing for him to take because they were only ever his. Right? Like if it yeah. honored if it honored you, it's yours to do with as you will. And if it dishonored you, it's yours to do with as you will. And in either way, it's very hard to see it happening, but it is still something that we can trust God completely for. But I also think it's really important to not see America as this righteous, holy, you know, exemplary, exceptional group of people that then the liberals kind of just came and they're trying to run. No, a little. the liberals is our own. Is, it's our own doing. It's you know, our own. In Micah, that today yeah. there's one of my. One of the verses that always jumps out at me is they seek to do evil with both hands earnestly. And it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. I think America has been there for a good long We're doing bit. It. We are We're doing, doing evil with both hands. Well, and if you just put very a, earnestly. Just make a little list and be like, has Hollywood been working hard to be evil or <laughs> just occasionally falling into it? Nope, that has been a concerted effort. What about the music industry? Time. Music industry. What, what about, about the schools? What, I was going to say, what about our schools and our library? The way we system? raise our children. What about how we're working on sex ed diligently across the country trying to make sure that no normal children remain anywhere. Ungroomed? Yeah. Exactly. We would like everyone ready and no able to children both... children left ungroomed. Yeah. They should be abused and also be abusers. Let's do it all. And then, like, 
in all of these places, you think we've been working industriously to defy God. And and you're like, in the medical industry, yes, with both hands, people have been earnestly trying to defy God and be like, no, we should do euthanasia. We should be practicing abortion. No, we should dismember babies, and we should disfigure humans in a vain attempt to change what God made. Talking to my Christian OB years ago, uh, he he told us about that when he was in med school, that all of the, because the residency was so hard at the time, uh, it was like so much work and so little pay for mm-hmm. so many people, that all these OB residents would f- be flown out by who knows what organization to these small areas like these impoverished areas mm-hmm. and basically do chop shop abortions for tons of money for oh the weekend oh and then Lord. come back. And those are not people who all went on to become abortionists. No. So you think like if you just take the medical industry at large yeah. and you say, what have you been complicit in and what are you trying to ignore? Like what guilt on yeah. your hands are you trying to ignore? What about our educational institutions of higher learning like what are they saying about god and his creation the science departments mm-hmm. of america it didn't happen god never happened we this, did it ourselves this and so we're going to do it again and we're getting into this fervor of apocalyptic like like the universe is ending if we don't sell you expensive light bulbs right now <laughs> or the universe is ending if you don't you know like all of yep. all of these things so the the reason we're saying all this is no christian can look at america and say we deserve god to withhold his hand of judgment oh. like we don't no. deserve and the thing is like again through all the minor prophets how often the phrase behold i am against you says the lord Mm-hmm. Is like, oh, that should be a terrifying sentiment. And you're like, oh, but he was against Assyria or, or one of your these Bible, people. Like, one of the things you know is you can't say God likes our sin, though. But also I'm God saying, likes like, us when God says, behold, it. I'm against you. And you're like, what is this city? What did they do? It's like, yeah, they're yeah. forgotten. Behold, you're done, so God <laughs> dealt with you because of your great. You know, doing evil earnestly with both hands. I think that that has always been an interesting thing about, like, like Pompeii. Yeah. Where people are like, wow, look at this glimpse into a civilization that was in full throttle, heinous rebellion against God when it got encased in lava. (laughs) I know. Like, oh. But basically, the thing is, I just keep praying that God would, would cut out the cancer. Like, that he would break break through this right, but like there's spare the life you of could, a nation that we love but he can destroy his enemies by literally destroying his enemies or by turning them into his friends and That's that our, is what i'm praying <laughs> i would say our whole our whole life work obviously is is that part right like our work is to be repenting of sin in our own life to be raising up our children in the lord and to be willing to do whatever is required of us to be faithful like that that being faithful in this is probably not going to be a real easy path, right? Like this is well the real boom times of the church were never when there was no friction. <laughs> I love that's one of the things that I like. Yeah, you speak the truth there. I was like one of the things that I love about well, we have a son named Shadrach, but we Obviously, I love the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But one of my favorite parts in that is that what Shadrach, or apparently Shadrach, says to the 
to Nebuchadnezzar when he just says, our God can save us, you know, but instead of like, he gives them time, right? He's like, next time. Because the king <laughs> says, next time you hear the ho- the sound of the horn. The and sack the, butt. Yeah, the sack butt. <laughs> next time you hear the sack butt and the timbrel or whatever it is. And he's, he's like, next time you should do it. And instead of then taking that out and being done with that interview... Like, mm-hmm. oh, he gave us a warning. Let's slip out the side door and see if we can avoid it. Right. They just say, nah, we, will, we won't do it next time either. <laughs> and he's like, we won't. And there's the thing about our God can save us. And even if he doesn't, right. we're not, we're not going to bend on this point. And I think it's really interesting because we have, you know, like that whole the principle of being a Christian, a faithful Christian, is that we fear God more than we fear anything else. There is no fearing of death that should overtake our fear of God. There's no fear. You know, that this Uh is just what it means to be a Christian. And I remember having a conversation where I felt like, yeah, I'm definitely saying something that is too spicy for... I, I withdrew part of... It was on a it was on a podcast or something. So I suddenly was having an out of body experience of realizing this audience, this audience is probably not going to be moved by my sudden, my sudden foray into this field. I was like, but, but the, what have you podcast knows us well enough yeah, probably to follow probably along. Sail up I'm no guest here. I'm going <laughs> to take off my, put my feet up on so an ottoman in this place. Turn okay. it off right now. If you're not yeah, ready, if you're not ready. No, but I think I can remember as like a young kid being afraid on a fair ride and thinking I'm going to die because probably yeah. it was a very unsafe fair ride. I actually think <laughs> it was because I remember it being a, in well, maybe it was fine, but I remember it being about me looking at the hinge on the thing, like feeling yeah. like this is actually not yeah. safe. Like yeah. what I'm doing here is not safe. And having that moment of being like, well, if I die, I die. <laughs> like, coming to the if I die, I die yeah. conclusion on the fair ride. <laughs> what do I have to be afraid of? If I die, I'll die. And, the, yep. and it struck me on the podcast that I was on. We were talking about kind of, I think, the way people talk about it. Like, your mother's heart. Like, how your heart towards this world that our children are inheriting and whatever. Yeah. And that's heavy. Like, I'm... I'm in it on the mm-hmm. fact that it's heavy to look at what are mm-hmm. we, what world are our children going to be coming of age Oh, I know. In. And then we can be like, here you go, guys. Look what we did for you. Look, as a special treat. Look at this we political decided, hot mess that we, we made. We decided to treat you to... Mm, a mess you know, that you didn't make. That's you didn't the make thing. it, and it's going to for sure impact your whole life. Like, yep. this is for sure going to be part of it. But the thing that I had said in this conversation is... Christian mothers have to be able, you have to get down to the absolute baseline on the lives of your children. And you have to say, I want my children to honor God no matter what, in whatever situation God puts them in. And God clearly has called our children right now to be lights in a very dark world. Like, it's getting progressively darker. And you should be stoking the fire and getting them ready. Absolutely. Because that is your job. And not <laughs> and not trying to scare them with your own fear. Right? Like not trying to make them even weaker and wobblier. 
But instead to be, because this is the part that I caught myself before I said it out loud on the other podcast. I was going to say, if this is the fair ride moment. If they die, they die. <laughs> if they die, they die. And, and I was, but it was essentially not just that, but like worst case scenario, our children are martyred for their faith. Right. And then you think, but what do we believe? Do right. we believe that that's the end of a story and that that's a tragedy? Right. Or do we believe that if our children were martyred for their faith, their crown would be great in the kingdom of heaven? And that shouldn't that be something that their mother of all people wants to witness? Exactly. Right? In no way am I saying, Let's hope I'm really that. hoping my children yeah. will be martyred. But my point is, worst case scenario... Yeah. There is a crown of glory for them on the other side if they are faithful to Christ. I think these are the times where <coughs> it is a good a good time to just double check and say, do we really believe what we say we believe? Or is it just a trope that we right. were, like that we know, think, oh then they'll go do we just say they would go be with Jesus as like that that would be like a participation ribbon or something? Or do we really think that like if they don't have the chance to travel the world and live to a certain standard of whatever that their, that yeah. their life was a loss in some yeah. way? Or like I just think was... it's a really important thing that you're teaching your kids to be brave and have convictions and know why they believe what they believe. But the bravery point isn't it Lewis who says courage is not a separate virtue? It's the yeah. testing point of all the virtues because yeah. you don't actually know, is this person a truth teller or only when it's not hard? Or even things hard. like, are you a chaste person or are you only a chaste person when if it's no not one's hard. pressuring you yes. into something? Right. Yeah. And because like, if, if you're willing to tell the truth when there's a threat, courage right there is actually what reveals that you did care about the truth or you did mm-hmm. care about chastity or you did care about yeah. not stealing from your employer or well, whatever. Because courage is the part that actually like anchors whatever virtue it is into the ground right there. Like that right. says like, now yeah. I won't let this so, go further. And, and I think that like to make this incredibly mundane, I think that's why it matters that you not let your kid fall apart completely when they skin their knee. It's like you're you're training them in the little things so that they can be faithful in the big things. When they actually are going to have to be brave about something much, much harder, teach them to be brave about the little trials that come into their lives now. Be brave about Mm -hmm. falling down. Be brave about breaking your birthday toy. This ties in with something that I meant to write an Instagram post about, but I haven't yet, which is the... uh, it ties in with, I, I wrote one, uh, last week sometime and where I was just talking about looking to Christ, like what you're looking at is what other people will look at. But if oh, you're, yeah. Yeah, yeah. whatever, and it comes up that everybody, everybody wants to defend to the death, the right of Christians to self pity pretty much. Yep. To the death. Yep. And I have absolutely no qualms about like saying that of course Christians are allowed to tell someone what's being hard. Of course you're allowed to struggle with something and be like this is a, I mean uh, to me this is just very obvious. But the problem we have is when we make everything like like you this is what reminded me of it. You were talking about letting your kids freak out if they skinned their knee. Mm-hmm. That 
when you're like, no, it's so good for them to be able to express their hurt and to be able to tell <laughs> us all of this. This is like a world that needs to go back and reread The Boy Who Cried Wolf. Because we actually don't have the, like, what really, what I actually see happening in the Christian world is even though there's a lot of trials and there's a lot of struggles and there's a lot of truly gnarly difficult situations, there's also a lot of entitlement to be the victim of your situation. Oh my word. And entitlement to feel sorry for yourself that someone spilled milk in your car without actually stopping and reflecting on the fact that you have a car, the fact that you can buy milk, the fact that you're, you know, like there's so much to be grateful for. And we're always trying to carve out little niches where we could pity ourselves. But also all the people that, that come galloping in to defend everybody's right to be sad or angry or whatever, all Mm -hmm. those people. I, I just honestly have a question, which is like, when, would there be a time to be brave or when mm-hmm. would there be a time to have self-control or when would there be a time to not now but your own not now because i just think like like basically let's say your kid skins their knee and you're like helping them to get a handle on it and blow it out and not give in to just a complete loss of control it's like if people are like, but don't you see he skinned his knee? It hurts him so bad. And it's like, well, if he hadn't skinned his knee, like, why would he need to be brave? Mm-hmm. Clearly the fact that he skinned his knee is the whole reason that he needs to right. be brave because bravery is a, a virtue that we're trying to instill in them. And you can't teach a kid to be brave while he's in the middle of eating marshmallows and watching Tough cartoons. It Tough yeah. it out while you get exactly what you wanted. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like, there's going to be enough pain that enters their life on its own that um, I'm not suggesting that we manufacture chances for our kids to learn to be brave. That will come to them. Mm-hmm. And you teaching them how to navigate all of these challenges and hardships and difficulties and letdowns right. and things, that's how you're preparing I, them to be an adult who can actually make a difference so in this world. A good example in my in my opinion is that a lot of these a lot of Christian women are falling into this whole scene where they're like there's a time for lament and we should all be weeping with those who weep. We should all be mourning with everyone. We should be drudging around in the sorrows mm-hmm. of life like like well, what is that even like? I don't know. <laughs> Struggle bussing it hard yeah. with everybody. And one of the things that they, I think, I would just say, man, I would give anything to up our ratios of women like Elizabeth Elliot, who yep. went through something incredibly brutal and did so without falling into a incredible self-pity of yeah. like so when everybody is like well are you saying that someone who's going through this hard time shouldn't be having a hard time i'm like well no but they should do it faithfully like a christian which it as it turns out does translate to what everybody resentfully says is like not having a hard time do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like they would say, no, that's stifling it. That's not mm-hmm. dealing with it. But all that indicates, if you can believe that thanking God for your, you know, Elizabeth Elliot situation, thanking God for 
losing your husband, thanking God for this right. tragedy, thanking God that he gave his life the way he did, thanking God for like, and continuing on trying to do the next faithful thing. That's what Christians now would say is bottling it and not deal, mm-hmm. not. Um, and the thing is, there is such a thing as bottling it up because the Stoics people do it and were they, yeah. doing it in a godless way. They were just bottling it up and, yeah. and stuffing it. And that is not the same thing as Christian joy. It just nope. isn't. And so... But the problem is, is just because you know someone who stifled their emotions in an ungodly way does yeah. not mean that not, that not controlling your emotions at all is the only alternative. Like, there are ditches on every side of the road. But it's funny that the people that you're talking about, they really only see the other ditch. Yeah, they're totally unaware of the, like, and the reality is that there are those times where you could be like, well, which ditch would you rather a civilization fell into? I'd probably Mm. say the one where we control ourselves more. We're a little tougher. But I also think we're, this is a classic, that classic thing in screw tape letters, you know, the fire, breaking out the fire extinguishers when confronted with a flood. There are some Christian groups that if I was invited to speak to a group of Christian women who were like rah, rah for being tough all the time and never showing any emotion or whatever. Never show affection to your children. Be hard. Be hard. Be rude. Be like all the time. Never smile. Be unflinching. Be grim. I I can imagine I, if you got into a weird subculture like that, that's not what I would tell them would not be. Please practice more self-control. Be lighten up. It would be like, why don't you notice what duffel puds you're all being? Let's <laughs> let's talk about. Let's go out and see how well you do on the ice. Let's <laughs> let's get a good laugh in. But the but the point is is that that's not at all our situation. No. We are not in a world where everyone is forgetting to notice their own feelings. No, we are in a world where everyone is demanding. That everyone else notice all of your feelings. And you should notice everybody else's feelings. And you should. And give feelings are God. Feelings. Because if someone feels yeah. put upon, then you can't do it. You the know? thing is, it really runs into a problem. Because if you're parenting like that, you want your kids to express all their emotions. Huh. But then when they're doing that, it's so dang annoying that then you have to express all your emotions. And lock yourself in the bathroom to shriek about it. And then post on the internet about it and then your kids will indulge their passions even more which will drive you into even a greater display and it turns out that one of uh, emotional outburst so much of this <laughs> like i want my children to be able to healthfully lose control of themselves when something doesn't go yes. their way it's like that there is no such thing as no. a healthfully loss of control of yourself no. like there's nothing yeah no and it's possible to cry without losing control Oh, of course. And, and actually, the the thing that I've never... Everybody who is... A lot of the time, everyone's trying to take all of the nuance out of language or yeah. situations. But the reality is, there's all kinds of times where we would say, it's not... You can't just bottle up your feelings, and you can't just think it will go away if you're sitting on it. But no. if you're if you are faithfully dealing with it before the Lord... And giving it to God and seeking to be faithful, then that's neither bottling up your emotions nor giving into them. No, it's putting them where they belong. It's doing the thing you were supposed to do with them. It's because the thing is, is when you bottle it up, you know that it doesn't go away. 
what it does is it takes on a stank and then it comes out later. <laughs> it's kind of like it's sort of like closing up a Tupperware that's full mm. of food to just yeah. be like, let's lock this down tight and not deal with it. And yeah. it's like, no, that's just gonna be yuckier when you take the lid off. Exactly. And it's all fuzzy yeah. inside. No, it doesn't it doesn't just stay static. When you bottle up your emotions, they will get progress ranker. will be made ranker and ranker yeah. and then mm-hmm. and um so bottling it up is not a successful way forward in dealing no. with them but neither is spraying it all over the house neither is getting into the hobby <laughs> of of like Misting being the it. curators of other people's emotional blats I don't understand it. I, I do not understand it because I actually think that there's got to be, you know, sometimes you're like, what the heck is the motivation here? Like, I don't know. I don't know either. I, because I, I, it's just, is a really weird world to get yourself into. Like I'm the curator of other people's, of other people's major. Yeah. But yet there is a real magnetism to that it's field a real perverse, for some people. Perverse yeah. desire. It, but it's it, weirdly, there are a lot of people who are real wanting to be there. Wanting to be there. It's the difference between like, okay, if you, let's say you're a doctor, you have to be not easily queezed out by looking at people's injuries, right? You can't mm-hmm. be somebody who faints at the sight of blood. You have to be somebody who can look at a gnarly thing and say, right, here's right. how we're going to fix it. And that is a helpful skill because they can look at it, assess it, and help with it. Mm-hmm. But then there's other people who appear to get a real kick out of just looking yeah. at gory injuries well, like and then putting up a collage of pictures about it. Yeah, because a good doctor is not afraid of the injury because they love the healing. Yes. They lo- and so the they're not afraid of what's gnarly because they want to see it through to a healthy place. Right? But then there's some but people... But then there's people who just love the gnarly. They love to pick a scab. And I, and I honestly think sometimes that is just a, a thing of not believing that things can be healed and, like, thinking... Because sometimes I yeah. think it's a theological error, like... Um, because I'll see p- people, sometimes I get, you know, snorky messages from people who don't like something I said. And one, and there is a theme that I have seen multiple times, which is people just saying, but God loves me as I am, so right. he would never criticize. Yeah. <laughs> he would never criticize but the fact that like, I'm just so freaking mad at my husband because, you know, whatever. That's like, where you're like, would he never, though? Have you read the Bible? That's when I just feel like, go take a little <laughs> look-see at the Bible. Like, take a little peek. Give it a little read. See Mm -hmm. what you come away with. I do think it's awkward whenever anybody says, God would never care that I did this. And you're like, well. Well, check. Double check. He wrote uh, a book. You know what? He wrote You know what? We have a record of what God would care about. And when we see that, we do see that God does actually care who you're sleeping with. One of the things is we know that. Surely like, he would never. This is, yeah, he would Did never, God he really would never say... be such a busybody. And you're like, nah, well, you know what? God does know. God does well, care. I was talking about this with one of my kids the other day because he was, he was writing a paper for school. But I was like, you know, there are certain commands in scripture that people breeze over with their real, like, um, but God wouldn't care about that. <laughs> and in and that's the Old Testament anyways. <laughs> and I was like, it really reminds me of Saul when he was supposed to 
take out the whole gaggle of everyone, including mm. the animals and Agag, and he didn't. And he was like, but I was going to sacrifice them. And I was going to do something nifty. I was, it's like, how would God care if I was is sacrificing that, is them? Is that when he did? It's when he lost the kingdom. He, but I he, know, but when he did sacrifice them. Because there's one part where he just goes ahead and sacrifices them. To God. Yeah, but like, when Samuel says... But then Samuel shows up and is like, what have you done? he says, what done? is this noise of lowing that I hear in my ears? But yeah. the thing is... But he says... But, but Samuel but Saul's says... Like, Saul's like, well, I, I had to sacrifice him and you weren't here. And Samuel knows. He says to obey was better, better than, than sacrifice. sacrifice. And you're like, but surely God wouldn't care if I was just sacrificing to him. I mean, that's what he wants. And it's like, well, what did he say he wanted? Yeah, it's like, actually... And your own great idea of what he would like and better. Old, and old um, Aaron's sons, was that Nadab mm. and Abihu? Who offered strange fire? Who are like, let's I, gussy this thing yes, up with some more incense. Nadab, Nadab yeah. and Abihu. And they so. get just swallowed up. Well, did you know? Because the fire... Not because God you know, the didn't fire care, that though. they offered... You're only allowed to use the fire that fell from heaven because yeah. they can, they, they were, kept that fire alive, and so when Elijah has a has an altar in a different place, the fire falls from heaven. He doesn't, you know, like it's an interesting. Yeah. But they, they offered. Did it. I thought they the were doing. Fire. I thought they were doing incense. But I think the strange fire also uh-huh. is a part of the thing. Either that was way, wrong. it didn't go over big. It didn't. And you read these things, you do not come away thinking that God is indifferent to the things no. that He has told His people to do. Which brings us full circle to the fact that I just really want to land this, even though we were having a sort of heavy conversation here, on the fact that the joy of the Lord really is our strength. That yeah. believing what we believe. That this earth never is our real home. This is always yeah. just a foretaste of the home we we are being made for. That this is a time to be thinking in terms of how much we can equip our children to be faithful through whatever. Yep. Like how much joy, how much laughter, how much love, how much repentance and confession of petty sin and... How much honoring God through just being thankful for what he's given us and open-handed with the blessings that and he a, has given And us. a big part of teaching your kids that is just show them how. Do it yourself. And do it yourself, which isn't the easiest thing to do in this current no. climate. But it's so worth doing. It is. And you have so many chances. It's sort of like what I was saying with your kid will have lots of chances to learn to be brave and you have to help them through it. But you too will have lots of chances to learn to be brave. And so handle it faithfully. And And it's amazing how there's a heavy load right now. There's a heavy burden right now that is like, yeah, the fate of our country, the Mm -hmm. what's coming next in America. And yet how likely are we all to throw our profession of faith aside over something like having to sweep our kitchen floor again? Right? Like, where there's big stuff happening, of course the biggest temptation is for us to be out of fellowship with God and our families over the pettiest possible things. It's like, this is the time for God's people... people who did not sign up to help with a Christmas church potluck. They know that I'm busy and I have to... She knew I didn't have time! The gingerbread men fall upon me! (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, this is the time where pettiness is going to be the thing that... That takes us all out when it's, you know. Well, it's the verse mom quotes all the time, which is the small foxes spoil, spoil the vineyard. And also that he, he who is faithful and little will be faithful in much. And that 
we're not any one of us in a situation where we have to be faithful to save the country no. today. But you're in a place where much smaller things are being asked also, of you. But also, like... Train. I, I do think that the... If you think about, like, Sodom and Gomorrah, God would have spared them if there were ten faithful men. And so, actually, some little chummy off yeah. being a butcher somewhere in Sodom and Gomorrah... If there had just been a handful of them being faithful in their own little sphere, it actually could have yep. averted the so fate be, of that city. Be faithful for the sake of your neighbors. <laughs> exactly. Be, be faithful for be the faithful sake of the children. Because God will use it. And, and we don't and have to know our what our role in the story is on a macro level. We know that the important thing is to be faithful on a micro level. And not and not to start making lame excuses like, well, God would understand why I'm yelling at my children today because they're... Because it's hard. Because I'm sick of it. I'm stressed out. Or because, you know, whatever it is, don't make excuses. Read your Bible. Celebrate. Be joyful. It's like this is the time to get back to the fundamentals of our faith. And what a great time of year to do it because... Amen. This is where all the fundamentals do come together. Get started. This is the part where we think God himself... Became a man and dwelt among us. And this is a thing. And this is a chance for joy and celebration and generosity and kindness. And, and laughter. Open-handedness. And less self-seriousness. All of the above. <laughs> all right. I have to go pick up my children. So yeah. we have to well, leave you until next time. And we had no hot tips whatsoever. Shoot. got to think. Surely I have drummed up one in all this time that we haven't been podcasting. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> Nothing is coming my way right now. Yeah, so that's, that's sorry, guys. Did well, I already say hairnets? I probably already did yeah, that. Yeah, we one. did that. That one. was like yeah. a real mm. Mm, shoot. Yeah. All right, talk to you later, no, guys. We'll think of a good. Merry tip. Christmas. Yes. <laughs> Bye. Bye.